Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Well, I'm super excited to share the word tonight. Um, I believe the Lord's given me something to teach tonight, and I'm excited to do that. Lately, that is my favorite way to minister, is just to teach the Word of God. I love doing that. And uh, I just want to honor our pastors, Pastor Greg and Gretchen, and just thank, thank them for the opportunity. And then just the pastoral staff, it's an honor to serve with you guys and to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, so let's just go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Lord God, we thank you so much for what you've already done in this time of worship, Lord, that we had. And uh, we just thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy to us, Lord. And uh, we just want to say that we love you. We honor you, Lord God. We welcome your presence here, Lord God, and Holy Spirit. I ask uh, for clarity. I ask for your strength. I ask for your words and for your anointing, Lord God. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I want to just talk some about maintaining a soft heart. Um, This is something that uh, I have learned a lot about in the last about six months of my life. Um, You know, from everything to uh, starting a business um, to uh, just taking time even to allow the Lord to work on my life, my family's life. Uh, and, and the Lord, he did a work of softening. If I could just put a word on it, he did a work of softening on my heart. And before we even get started, I want to say that sometimes hardness of heart doesn't happen because you chose just to walk into sin or just because you chose to walk away or to resist something from God. Sometimes hardness of heart just happens because you happen to walk through a trial or you happen to walk through a time where anxiety can come or stress can come. And the next thing you know, your priorities might not be in line correctly. And that can in itself lead you to a place of having a hard heart and you don't even know it's happening. And so I want to talk just about how do we maintain a hard heart, but also how do we recognize when our hearts are getting hard? Because I found that when the Lord did the work of softening, I didn't even realize my heart was hard. I had no clue. Uh, I thought I was good. I'm like, well, I'm still seeking the Lord. I'm still walking in his will and all of that. But I realized there were areas in my heart that had grown really hard, that had grown really um, resistant to certain things that the Lord wanted to do inside of my life. So the first place I want to go tonight is to Psalm 95. So we're going to start in verse 6, and then we're going to go read pretty much the exact same passage in Hebrews chapter 3. So it's in Old and New Testament, so even if you wanted to say it's not there, it's there. (laughs) So uh, get ready for it. Um, So Psalm 95, we're going to start in verse 6. It says, Oh, come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We did that tonight already. We've worshiped him for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. I want to focus on that really quickly because because what's interesting is this next part of the passage is basically it feels like a change of direction scripturally. But the first part of the verse is attached to the verse I just read. It says, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. I want you to know, he looks at you as his sheep. He wants to take care of you. He wants to lead you into proper places. He wants to provide for you. Even more than you're crying out for a miracle or you're crying out for needs or desires, he already wants to give it to you. He already wants to take care of you. It's already in his heart and his desire to take care of you. Now, that does not necessarily mean that it's already said and done and there's not going to be something that you have to walk through or that you have to go through. Why? Because he is the good shepherd is going to lead us the way that he sees best. Even if that means through the valley of the shadow of death, even that me- if that means that we're going to have to walk in the presence of our enemies, he's going to lead us and he has a purpose in doing it. Amen. But this is what it says right after that in the same verse, today, if you will hear his voice, Today, if you will hear his voice, he said, my sheep know my voice. Verse eight, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, 
as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Now I want to jump to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 7. <clears throat> Hebrews 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then it goes and it reads the exact same as in Psalm 95. But then verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be any in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. I think that it's really interesting that David originally wrote Psalm 95 and says, says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then we see fast forward hundreds of years. I could look up and give you the exact time frame, but I can tell you this. It's definitely a couple of hundreds of years at least. And the Holy Spirit, um, you know, we, we said we don't know who authored Hebrews. We do know the Holy Spirit authored Hebrews. Amen. Um, we don't know what man penned it, but we do know the Holy Spirit authored it. And it says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today. These are different days different time periods separated by hundreds of years, and the Lord still encouraged the writer to write the word today. And what I want you to know is the Lord desires to speak to you today, tomorrow, the day after that, the years after that. He, he wants to speak to you every single day. And if you will give ear, as the Spirit says, if you will give ear, he will speak to you daily. He desires to reveal his word to you daily. But the question is, in your today, will you give ear to hear what he wants to say? Will you have an ear that's ready to hear? Because he wants to speak to you today. He wants to give you something fresh. He says that, it says, Jesus actually said, I am the manna that came down from heaven. I am the bread of life, right? And he told his disciples, hey, listen, this is how you should pray. Give us this day our monthly, no, 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 weekly, nope. What was it? daily bread, right? He wants to give something to you each day. And he did that with the disciples. And, and he said, here, I'm going to give you daily bread. But then with the children of Israel, they're walking through Israel. And you know, he would rain down manna from heaven every single day. But the thing that was crazy is, is that if they held on to it too long, it started to rot. And it wasn't that the manna or what God provided was insufficient. It is that they were trying to eat it when it wasn't meant to be eaten. And the Lord is so desirous to, to show you that he wants to speak to you every day, that he would give a natural example to say, I literally want to speak to you today, and if you don't heed it today, it could be rotting for you the next day. Not that his word went bad, but that you were meant to heed it yesterday. You were meant to heed it when he gave it to you, amen? Now, I want to talk about what the word hear means, because it says today if you will hear his voice. This is really interesting. It's so cool to me. It literally means to hear intelligently, often with the implication of attention and obedience. To hear, listen, and obey. It literally means all of those. To render obedience and to understand the things that are heard. That's literally what that one word there means. It doesn't just mean to hear with the natural ear. It literally means to hear and to give attention to and then to obey. In other words, he's saying, hey, today, if you will listen, hear, obey, and give attention to, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. So it instructs us not just to hear, but how we should hear. And this even is uh, mind-blowing to me, is that it really goes to show you that when we hear his voice, if we didn't obey it, we didn't really hear it. Because I remember in my younger years, whether it be my mom or Pastor Greg or someone would say something to me and I would hear it. I would hear it. I heard it right here. I even took it down. I wrote a note about it, right? But then I would get going in my life and what would I not do? Apply it. You know what that really means? I never heard it. 
Like, how many times, you know, if you're a parent, I, I say this to our daughters so many times, and they're just four and one, so we're just starting out, right? And I'll say, like, did you hear me? Did you listen to what I just instructed you to do? Are you listening to me? Why would you continue to do this, even though I just gave you this instruction, right? But the truth is that we're not too different than a one and a four-year-old. The Lord will speak to us, and we'll hear it, but we won't apply it, right? We think that it's good enough that with our natural ear, we received it. We took a good note about it. We might even post about it, right? But if we didn't apply it, then we didn't really hear it. So every time we hear his voice, we are given a choice. Do we soften our hearts, obey his word, and allow it to bear fruit? Or do we harden our hearts through rebellion and pride? Every single time he speaks to us, we are met with a choice of do we receive it and soften our hearts or do we harden against what he wants to say? I think about the parable of the sower. I think we know it pretty well, but I think we pass by it sometimes and miss what it's trying to say because it says that that a sower came to sow and the first place that he sowed, it said, was the wayside and that immediately birds came and snatched it. And I think so often we think, that all the other ones they might describe us sometimes, but the wayside that's not us, that's not us. But I tell you that if you've ever tried to plant seed on hard soil, it just sits right on the top. And I think a lot of times what happens is the Lord speaks to us, we hear His voice, and we put it to the wayside. We put it on the wayside, we actually move it. We say, I'll get to this later. I know you spoke this for me today, but I'll get to it later. And then the next thing you know, you've already forgotten about it. I wonder how many times we forget something and it was actually snatched from us because we weren't diligent with it when it was given to us. We were meant to be diligent with the word that was spoken to us when it was spoken to us. Why would he speak it to us at 1 p.m. if he didn't mean for us to apply it that day, that time, right? Now, don't get me wrong. There, there is a verse in Habakkuk that says that the vision will come. It's going to tarry, but wait for it. It won't delay. It's not going to be late. It will come to pass. There are times when the Lord speaks to you for a time out, but he speaks for it, to, it to you for a time out because you're meant to prepare for that time to come. So even when he says, hey, this is five years down the road, you are still meant to start applying yourself in that moment. It's still meant for that day. Right, So we can't say, oh, we just need to wait and do it later. No, he wants us to act on his word when he gives it to us, right? We need to, as Pastor Greg says, seize the opportunity of lifetime in the lifetime of the opportunity, amen? So our hearts, if not ready to receive his word, if not soft, when the word comes, we won't truly hear. We'll put it to the wayside, deal with it later, but before we know it, we've forgotten everything that he spoke to us to begin with. So our choice to harden our hearts is not always a choice of obstinate rebellion. Lord, I don't want to do this, and I'm not going to do it. Sometimes it's just us being lazy with what he's given us. Sometimes it's that our affections, our attentions are somewhere else. And that's why he says in in Colossians 3, set your mind or your affections on the things above. Because if we don't, then we'll be affected by something else. We'll be caught off guard by something else. We'll be turned to something else. And I think a lot of times we, we are quick to say, I've heard that before. You know, it's, I'll say this, I've, I've taught, I've not, I've not spent a lifetime teaching, but in the last couple of years, I've had many opportunities to teach. And I'll tell you this, the sign of someone not receiving is when they sit there and they act like they heard it. Or they're like, oh yeah, I remember when the Lord told that to me. Or I remember when I learned that. And they're meant to be the student and you're the teacher, but that's their heart's condition, right? Is, well, yeah, I know that. And they're not disagreeing with you, they're saying, yeah, I already got that. I've noticed when, when that's my heart, when I'm supposed to be being, being taught, I'm already missing out on what he wants to do. Because I've already decided, I've already got that. It's in my quiver, I'm done, it's in my toolbox. I don't need that, right? But I'll tell you what, if you're in a class, you're in a teaching, you're in something, why would the Lord inspire the person who's meant to be the teacher to teach it if you weren't meant to be in that moment the one to receive it? right? We're not exempt anytime we come to church. Oh man, here we are. I'm here and I don't need anything here. (laughs) That's none of us, right? If nothing else, we need each other to exhort us to good works. We need the presence of God to convict us and to compel us to obey and receive his word, right? And sometimes I think that we, we neglect the foundation because, well, we have heard that before and I've already even put it into work, but we don't realize that if we're not continuing to tend to it, there could be cracks in it. There can be things that come in that affect the Lord's ability to continue to build on our life, right? So we need to continue to say, Lord, I, I, I know I might have heard this before, but teach it to me just like it was the first time. 
Just like it was, just like I've never heard it before because I don't want to be numb to what you're speaking, right? We just heard on Sunday, maybe we're numb. Maybe, maybe we have a spiritual epidural, right? Maybe we, we can't feel, right? Maybe we need to be awoken, awaken, however the proper way to say that it is. Maybe we need an alarm to go off, right? To remind us we need to receive this word even if we've heard it before, amen? So in Psalm 37, again, talking about uh, having a soft heart, Psalm 37 uh, is, is a really cool passage because it starts to deal with the desires of our heart. And it's a really cool passage of Scripture, but I want to break it down so that we can really understand what is being promised to us. In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And I, you know, growing up, I thought, okay, that means if I get in the presence of God, I worship him, I do all that. I take joy in doing it, then now he's going to give me whatever I want. And although that's a piece of it, we do need to delight in his presence. We need to, to delight in the word that he's speaking to us. There's another phase to this. The word delight literally means here to bend, to be pliable, to be soft, or to be delicate. In other words, delighting yourself in the Lord is more about the condition or the state of your heart than it is about you taking joy in that moment. It's actually saying, hey, Lord, I so delight and love you and so delight and love what you're doing that I say, do whatever you want. Bend my heart, make my heart pliable, break up the ground, whatever you have to do, because I so love the work that you do in my life that you can do it and do it again and do it however you want. And when he can do that, he can start to shape your heart so that when he gives you the desires that you don't misuse them. Right? And not only that you don't mis dis misuse them, but that he can actually shape your desires. Because if he can shape your heart, the heart is actually the seat of desire. So it's actually saying here, if I can shape your delight, I can shape your heart, then I can actually shape what you desire. And therefore, I can give you my desires because now they become yours. Now they become yours. So God desires to give us, uh, to give us the desires of our heart, but until we're soft, pliable to his word, willing to bend and yield to the Holy Spirit, he can't give us our desires because we're going to misuse them. We're going to use them for our own desires, for our own passions, our own motives. So I want to talk about dealing, you know, we're talking about maintaining a soft heart, but I think in order to maintain a soft heart, we need to understand what is a hard heart. What is hardness of heart? And um, I'm going to flip back to Hebrews 3, because we're going to be kind of in and out of there this whole night. <clears throat> in Hebrews 3, where it starts to talk about, uh, if you will hear his voice today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the trial, in the day of trial in the wilderness. The word hardened there um, is a Greek word because the New Testament was written in Greek and it's skleruno. It comes from the root word skelo, which is the word that we get skeleton. And it's actually a medical terminology and it means to dry out to wither, or to parch. We have several English words, two of them being shoals and shallow, that are derived from that word, and it implies a river that's dried up and becomes shallow. So what's interesting, though, is that this word, scleruno, emphasizes the negative effects or death that is caused by something drying up. It's not merely something becoming dry, but it's the effect of what happens when it dries it starts to bend. It starts to become crooked. If you remember right back, what did the word delight meant? It meant to bend. Well, here we see hardness of heart literally means to dry out to the point that something starts to warp and bend and become crooked. And the next thing you know, it's no longer valid for the purpose that it was intended because it's so out of whack, out of joint, out of what it was intended for that it can't even fit in the same spot. It's like that maybe you've worked on an old house or something, you remove a board, and then when you try and put it back in, it can't even fit right because the pressure was actually keeping it in line. When you pulled it out, you didn't realize it was warped. It had been dried out, right? And so what we don't realize is the severity of having a hard heart is that it starts to dry us out. It's not merely just that we become like concrete or that we become like something super hard physically, but it's actually the sense that moisture is gone softness is gone. And I think this puts a really interesting perspective 
on Proverbs 4.23, where it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Some translations literally say, for out of it spring a fountain of life. But if you imagine that your heart's hard, what is springing out of it? It's dried up. You ever been in your life and you're like, nothing seems to be flowing right now. Nothing seems to be working. I'm working with all my strength, with all my heart, and nothing seems to be paying off. I feel dry as a bone, right? As a skeleton, right? This is what this condition of having a hard heart does to us spiritually, and we don't even realize it, right? The Lord wants to, this is what's crazy. Jesus looked at his disciples. He looked at the woman at the well, and he said that if you drink of me, then out of your belly, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Our heart was meant to be like a river that could flow with the purpose and the power and the healing and the joy of God. There's a river that makes glad the city of God. Our heart was meant to flow like that, but then we become hard and now it's dry, right? It even reminds me of when Elijah is in the wilderness and he comes to the brook, right? And he's there for a couple of days. And while he's there, the brook dries up, right? Can you imagine you go somewhere because you're in the middle of a drought and you finally find somewhere that has a source of life. And then while you're there, it's all gone. It's dry. That is the situation that you find yourself in when you have a hard heart. And so again, I want to talk through some of the things that can create a hard heart, but how you can even realize that your heart's hard. Because like I said, there are so many times in my life where I've been uh, exposed or experienced something by the Holy Spirit. And then I realize, oh my goodness, my heart's been hard this whole time in this area or in this way. And we don't even realize that that's happened. So um, I want to talk about two major indicators that we have hardness of heart or that our heart has become hard. Because uh, in order to maintain a soft heart, we need to be able to recognize when our heart is not uh, if we're meant to maintain a soft heart, we need to recognize when our heart is not soft. Amen? So the first thing that indicates to us that our heart is hardened is unbelief or being slow to believe. If you read back in Hebrews 3.12, right after it says, Today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of the trial in the wilderness. If you go down in verse 12, it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. An indicator of our heart being hard is that there's unbelief present in our hearts. And what's interesting is that in Psalm 95, when David first penned this passage, he said, he didn't say, uh, do not harden your hearts as in a rebellion, rebellion, or as in a trial while you're in the wilderness, he actually says as in the rebellion and as in the trial in the wilderness. And I didn't realize this till like two days ago. I was reading through this passage. I was just meditating on it. And I was like, why in the world? One, I saw footnotes in my Bible and I was like, well, that's interesting. And then I also saw the, the word the, and I was like, this, is, this is, seems specific. He wasn't just throwing words around. He wasn't just being generic here. David literally said as in the rebellion as in the day of trial in the wilderness. And if you look at what those words, rebellion and trial there, um, they actually are named locations in the Bible. They're two separate locations. One is Meribah and the other is Masa. And if you look with me in Exodus 17, we'll see what, why those places are being brought up. So Exodus 17, we're going to look at verse 1, 37. <clears throat> it says in verse 1, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin. I don't want to be in that wilderness, amen. According to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why is it that you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. 
And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the condition of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So when he says, don't harden yourself as in the rebellion and as in the day of trial in the wilderness, he's literally referring to Exodus 17, one through seven. He's saying, don't harden your hearts as the children of Israel did when they were thirsting for water and they begin to contend with leadership, with Moses, and with even God himself in questioning the will of God. Why in the world have you brought us to this place just to kill us? Just to watch us die of thirst? Why in the world have you brought us this? And I find it interesting, again, that rebellion, sorry, not rebellion, but hardness of heart has to deal with dryness. They're in this place of the middle of the desert, the middle of the wilderness, and they're dry. They need something. They're thirsting before God. But it was already a prophetic picture of their hearts and the state of hardness that they were already in toward God. You know, it's, it, it, when you're in a place of stress or anxiety or, or there's just pressure around you, if the first thing that comes out of you is complaints, that thing that, you, that is causing you to complain is not the source of your complaint. It's not. The source of your complaint is your hardness of heart. Because it just took one thing, they went a little bit without water. And maybe we don't know if it was a day or two days. They go a little bit without water, and all of a sudden, God, are you trying to kill us? Moses, why'd you take us out here? And all of a sudden, this complaint just starts to rise right up out of their heart, out of the dryness of it, out of the hardness of it. And God is saying, hey, when you hear my voice, don't do this. <laughs> don't act as they did when they thirsted for this moment, right? And Jesus, you know, is the rock. It literally says in Corinthians that what was that rock that followed them through the wilderness? It was Jesus Christ. And here the rod strikes the rock and water comes out. And then what's interesting again is that this passage where it talks about hardness of heart isn't just dealing with the children of Israel. It's also dealing in Numbers 27 where Moses didn't, strike, didn't, didn't listen to the word of God because the word of the Lord came to him and said, hey, this time they're thirsting. And just like you struck the rock this time, I want you to speak to the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. And instead, Moses, in his anger and his hardness towards the children of Israel, struck the rock once again. And God said, this is gonna keep you from the promised land. This is gonna keep you from entering into what you worked for for 40 years and beyond that. Because you struck the rock twice. And again, it's a prophetic picture of Jesus he was only struck once. He only entered the grave once, right? After that, it didn't happen again, right? And so it's, it's a picture of our hearts that we need to be sure we're not re-crucifying Jesus. We're not putting him back on the cross. The work that he did was for once and for all, amen? So he's saying, don't harden your hearts as they did in this moment. Now, I think it's interesting that they had already seen the sea part, they had already seen a pillar of fire come between them and Pharaoh's army. They had already seen manna coming from heaven on a daily basis. And yet, in a moment of thirst, they're like, God brought us here to die. He's going to let us die. I mean, he didn't let you die in, in the sea. He didn't let you die at the army. He didn't let you die of hunger. Why would he let you die now? And this is where David literally says in verse 9, or God says, through David, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my works. They had already seen the hand of the Lord do all of this, but they couldn't believe that he would provide water. They couldn't believe that he would do something in all of the grand scheme of things rather simple compared to what he had already done. I mean, he had already sent 12 plagues to harden the heart of Pharaoh to let them go. He had already done all this amazing things. And now they're like, man, God can't even create water. He is the one, listen, he's the one who parted the waters originally and said, let there be land, let there be sun, moon, and the stars, let there be animals, let there be man, let there be breath and breathe the breath of life. And they're worried about water. 
And he said, they tried me, though they saw my works. So in the middle of this hardship, they allowed this unbelief to reflect that their hearts were already hard. They were already hardened towards God. They were looking for an opportunity to complain, right? Well, we really wanted our flesh to be satisfied like it was back in Egypt. I know we were beaten every day and we had rations, but at least we had leeks and onions, right? At least we had something that tasted good. I'm tired of this manna, right? I didn't want this manna. I want the good stuff. Felt like my dad there. He would have said that. They want the good stuff, right? Luke 24, let's go there. So be careful that when you find your place in unbelief, it's time to check our heart to find out, is it hardened? Is there something that we need to do to soften it? Amen? All right, Luke 24, we're going to look at verses 19 through 27. And this passage is familiar in this house. Uh, We've gone to it several times at different points of time. And it's about the two who are walking on the road to Emmaus. They're, they're walking after, at this point, Jesus has already been beaten, crucified, and he's even already resurrected, even though they didn't all necessarily know it, right? And they're walking along the road, and all of a sudden, Jesus is walking right there with them. And, but they did not know it. They were not aware that it was Jesus that was walking with them. And in verse 19, he said to them, Uh, or let's go back actually to 18. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since those things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they also had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then Jesus said to them, he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? In the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them, all the things in the scriptures, considering and concerning himself. So the disciples have been walking with him for three years. And if you read through the gospels, Jesus did not neglect to tell them that, hey, one day I'm going to be crucified. One day I'm going to be crucified, but don't worry. On the third day, I'll be, I'll be raised up again, right? And he said it, he said it a couple of times uh, um, figuratively, and he said it a couple of times literally, such to the point that Peter looks at him and says, far be it from you. That's not going to happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? You, you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. So they were not, this is not something that they had not heard leading up to it, but the Lord allowed their, their hearts and their minds, their eyes, their ears to be veiled to a certain extent. And I wonder if it's just because of the fact that they probably would have tried to stop it from happening even harder, right? But he says, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. They were not just not believing the women who saw the vision. And again, if you think about it back in those times, it's pretty rare for people to use in that time women as a, a source, Most of the time, they would only use men. They would only use that. And yet, there are several times in the gospel that they chose, whether it be Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, to say, women saw Jesus. Women heard this. Women saw this. Why? Because they weren't concerned with trying to hold up the validity of the statement according to that time. Because they knew that the gospel of Jesus Christ in itself, the truth of it, had power in itself. Jesus had risen from the dead. He was ascending to the throne of God. They didn't need to try and prove it because the thing was, is here's in all truth, it required faith for it to be proven. Even if they had used Pilate himself or someone of that nature, there still would have had to been the choice of faith to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. And they're walking along this road and he says, oh, slow of heart to believe slow of heart to believe, that they were walking with Jesus himself and were unaware of it, that they did not believe what had happened. So 
I want to show you that through these examples that one indicator of hardness of heart is that you're slow to believe. And maybe he's spoken a word to you for your life. Maybe he's given you a calling. Maybe he's trying to do something and take you in a new direction. Or he's spoken to you and it seems like what he said is impossible. I want to encourage you, soften your heart. Find the place that you can believe what he spoke. Because if you can come in agreement with it, you can believe it, you can see it come to pass, and you'll get all the more out of it because you chose, I want to see this take place. I believe you. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm not going to wait for you have to show me. I'm not going to wait for a flea staff to be thrown on the ground two separate times. I'm going to believe you now for it. Because Jesus said, many will will, will want to see, but he said, blessed are those who believe and do not see. Blessed are those who are not waiting for proof, but are choosing to believe now. All right, the other indicator, I've only got two. I'm sure there are so many more, but these are the two I felt like the Lord put on uh, my heart and and my spirit to share tonight. Um, the, The first, again, was unbelief or slowness to believe, but the second is hardness of hearing or hard of hearing. That maybe you're you feel that you're having a hard time hearing the voice of God. I believe that, and I don't mean this to be harsh or condemning, but I do believe that this is an indicator at times of hardness of heart. And I'm going to show you scripturally that this this can be the case. And I'm not saying every single time that this is the case, but I believe a lot of times we don't realize it, and it is the case. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're going to look at verses 15 through 20. It says, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to command or to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Verse 17. But if your hearts, sorry, if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you both, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may obey, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. But I want to focus on verse 17. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away. Something I've realized over the last couple of years that most of the time, if I am having a hard time hearing, it's because to some extent, my heart has been drawn away. My heart has been turned to something else. And again, it does not have to be sin. It could be simply that your heart is turned to the struggles in your job or your business, or that your heart is turned to different stresses that you're carrying or anxieties you're carrying. But somewhere along the line, the stress, the anxiety, the pressure has gotten to you to the point that, again, you've neglected to stay in his presence or at his feet or to allow him to speak to you or that you've neglected him as your first priority. That these other things have distracted you enough that now you're having a hard time hearing. Because, uh, you know, if you think about it, I can hear Pastor Whalen pretty well right now. But as soon as I turn around the opposite direction, immediately I'm going to have a harder time hearing him than I would if I was turned towards him the entire time. So oftentimes it's not that we've turned entirely to sin, but that we've simply been drawn away by something else that our heart has turned away, even if slightly, that it affects our ability to hear his voice. We can be drawn away by many things, the cares of this life. It can be sin or lust. It can be relationships. But I think that most time when I hear people talk about having a hard time hearing the voice of God, the next thing I hear them say is, I'm simply in a dry season. I'm simply in a dry season. And I'm not here to, to, to tell you that definitively there is no such thing as a dry season, but I'm here to tell you today that I don't believe it is what we think it is. 
and that I can tell you a really easy key to get out of the dry season. So think about this. Oftentimes we say, well, it's a dry season. I'm having a hard time hearing the voice of God. He hasn't spoken to me in a couple of days. Maybe it's a couple of weeks. You know, God forbid it's a couple of months, but I've, I'm having a hard time hearing the voice of God. I'm in a dry season. What that does is it takes the accountability off ourselves, and it starts to blame the environment or even worse, the source of rain or the source of, in this case, his word. And who is that source? It's God. And I just told you through the several passages we went through, he said, I'm, I'm your daily bread. I'm the bread of life. I'm the manna that came down from heaven. And he emphasizes daily, 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 today, today, today. But we start to say, well, I'm in a dry season. It's more than one day. I've gone several days, if not more, without hearing the voice of God. And it's just the season I'm in. It's going to pass. It'll be fine. But let me just pose this question to you or this scenario to you. If your heart was hard and he was speaking, would you know it? If your heart was hardened, would you even know it when he spoke to you? Because I don't know about you, but I've got this patch of dry ground by my driveway. And if I go to pour water or something, or sometimes I'll pour grease out in that area or whatever, when I do, it's completely unabsorbing it. It just beads up on the surface. It just sits right there. And eventually what has to happen is it has to evaporate. It's not absorbed by the soil. It's ignored. It's refusing it, right? It's refusing the moisture. And so if that was the case in our own hearts, that we're saying, oh, we're in a dry season, but in fact, it's actually that we have hardness of heart. Then the Lord could be speaking to us. He could be trying to get our attention, but our hearts are hardened. We've been drawn away. We've been turned away by something else. So I want to ask you to just consider the possibility the next time you're having a hard time hearing the voice of God, that it could be that your heart is hard and that you need to break up the fallow ground. And that's the next passage I wanted to go to was Hosea 10, 12. You can write that down. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness and reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. It is our responsibility to break up the areas of our heart that are hard. We can ask the Lord, Lord, break it up, till it up. But at the end of the day, he's saying, break up your fallow ground. Break up the part of you that is not receiving the word of God. You deal with it. You address the own issue in your heart. He'll help you do it. Trust, trust me in that. If you're honest and saying, Lord, I, I need help. My heart is hard. He's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the help that you need to break it up. But it's time to seek the Lord. Anytime that you're dealing with hardness of heart, come to him humbly and begin to seek him. And seek him until when? Until he comes and rains down righteousness on you. You want to end the dry season, dry season, just stay there until he rains. Just stay there. Seek until he finishes the dry season. Don't stop until it's raining on you, until it's pouring on you, until you're receiving the word of God, until he's touching you, he's transforming you. And all of a sudden, you see fruit to start to, to come up out of you. You start to see life again. You're no longer in that hard state where you've been bent. You've been out of shape. You're dry. You're weary. You're like a riverbed that has no more water. No, he starts to rain and he starts to deal with it because you said, you know what? My heart might be hard. I don't even know if I know if it is, but Lord, you know. You know what to do with my heart. You know how to help me through this. Like I said, there, was, there were moments I had no clue. I was completely unaware. My heart was hardened. But all I knew to do was start to seek God and he starts to reveal it. He starts to break the hardness off and he starts to reign. If you look at Luke chapter 20, Looking at verses 34 through 36, wait a second, Luke 21, I think I wrote down the wrong passage. Yep, Luke 21, 34 through 36. It says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with crowsing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. I think it's important that it's not just the drunkenness, it's not just the carousing, it's just not, it's not just 
all of the sin issues, it can also be the cares of this life. That your heart not be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. In that day, come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That's, that passage puts the fear of the Lord inside me. It causes me to address my heart, to look and say, is there hardness of heart? Have I turned to foolishness? Have I turned to that which doesn't profit? Have I turned to the cares of this life such that I, I'm, I'm going to be unaware when he comes? I'm not going to be ready. I'm going to be caught off guard, right? Guard your heart for out of it spring the issues of life. I'm going to be caught off guard and then pray always that you might be counted worthy to escape these things. What things? The judgment that's going to separate the sheep and the goats. That's going to cast us into, uh, yes, the fires of hell, the darkness, but the worst part, separation from God for eternity. That, 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 you know, the fires and the darkness, that's awful, but it pales in comparison to entire separation from God for, for eternity. Be careful that your hearts are not weighed down. You know, I think about, um, and I'm not going to turn there just for time's sake, but in Mark 8, the disciples, uh, they're, they're, they're in, in the feeding of the 4,000 happens. Where it, may, it was either 4,000 or 5,000. You have to go read that and find. But after that, Jesus starts to talk to the Pharisees, and they're begging him for a sign. Show us a sign that you're truly the Christ, that you're truly the Messiah. And he says, and he's grieved. It says that it grieved Jesus. And he said, I will not give you a sign. And in another scripture, he literally says, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah, which is three days and three nights in the earth before he ascends and he's resurrected from the dead. That's the only sign I'm going to give you, right? And then he tells his disciples, get in the boat, cross over to the other side, and then he tells them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they say, they start mumbling around each other. They're like, what's, what's he talking about? And one of them was like, dude, it's because we only brought one loaf of bread. You know, he broke all that 4,000 for all the 4,000, but we only brought one loaf of bread. That's why he's frustrated with us. We should have brought more bread. <laughs> and he looks at him and he says, he's basically like, are you kidding why are you talking amongst yourself as if what I'm talking about has anything to do with bread? He's like, I'm dealing with the religious spirit that desires to see a sign instead of just acting in faith, right? But he looks at him and he actually says, are you without understanding? Do you have eyes and can't see? Do you have ears and can't hear? And then he says this, is your heart still hard? Such that you've seen me multiply bread and fish to 5,000 people and to 4,000. He actually says to them, how many extra baskets, bushels did we take up? Well, here we took up 12 and here we took up seven. Are you still without understanding, he says? They were so concerned with, can he provide for us? Are we sure we're gonna be okay? Are we sure that, are we sure Jesus can take care of this bread issue we have? He, oh man, we should have brought more bread. That's why he's frustrated but he's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. But he was dealing with their unbelief and lack of trust in his ability to provide. He had already turned water into wine. And yet, did we bring enough bread? We, can, we need to check the hardness of our heart. Check to see, do we have unbelief or are we hard of hearing? Now, I want to quickly go over a couple of causes of hardness of heart. I am just going to go quickly through these. Because like I said, it's not always sin it can be, but it's not always sin. But back in Hebrews chapter 3, in verse 16, it says, well, we'll start in, um, I think I actually wrote that wrong. Hold on. All right, we'll just start in verse 12. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. This is where I wanted to get to. Lest any of you be hardened through the, the, through the deceitfulness of sin. So the first cause of hardness of heart 
is deception and sin. That when we choose to allow sin in our life, when we choose to let it abide or remain in our life, and we don't deal with it, it can lead to our heart being hardened. Because now we're turned, our affections are given to this thing or to that thing or to this lust or to this craving, and now our, our hearts are hardened towards God. So the first is deception and sin. And I want you to understand that hardness of heart is a precursor to, to full-blown deception. Before you get to the place that you're fully deceived by something, first your heart has to be hardened to God. It's not just, boom, I just went from knowing the truth to now I'm deceived. Somewhere along the line, we ignored something he spoke to us. And I wanna tell you this, if you are having a hard time hearing the voice of God, or you find that your heart is hard, somewhere along the line, there's a really good chance that he spoke, to you, spoke something to you and you didn't heed it. He spoke something to you and you didn't fully apply yourself to. And maybe it is that you just put it on a shelf for later, but either way, he said something. So I encourage you, Go back to that. And that's my next point is hearing and not obeying. That is, and granted, that does fall into the category of sin. If God tells you to do something, you hear it and you don't obey it. It is sin. But here, I want to just specifically touch on that you've heard the voice of God speak to you and you chose to not obey it. You are now becoming numb to the word that he spoke to you. You are choosing to allow your heart to become hard towards him. So be careful that when you hear, that you apply yourself to it. Number three is not seeking God. And again, I do not want to condemn anyone here, but I do want to encourage you that if you're not regularly seeking him, be careful because your heart can be hardening to him. It can be tough. You can start to, because you've not been around him very much, you start to forget how he is. You start to lose connection to him. You start to become less acquainted with his nature, with his kindness, his goodness, his mercy. It says it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness on you. If you want to prevent hardness of heart, just keep seeking. Just keep going and staying with it. Don't give up. You know, there's something to be said about consistency in the word of God. You know, some things happen in a breakthrough moment and some things happen because you did something every day. And before you know it, what you were dealing with isn't even a reality anymore. Why? Because you were consistent and you kept seeking him. The last one is pride. And this is a huge one. That when his word came to him, you thought that wasn't for me. I've already dealt with that. That's not my problem. That's not my issue. If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 17 through 19, I'm not going to turn there right now because I'm about to wrap up here. And Andrew, you can actually go ahead and come to the keys. Samuel says to Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, did God not anoint you king? But now because the word of the Lord came to him and he refused it, I don't need to do that. And actually, he committed an unlawful sacrifice. He exalted himself to the rank of a priest, which could only be done if you were in the tribe of Levi. He exalted himself through pride, and now he had a hardened heart. But God said through Samuel, when you were little in your own eyes, that's when you were anointed. But because you've exalted yourself, now you've allowed pride to enter. But I want to tell you a really really simple solution to a hard heart, repentance. It's, it's that easy. And I can testify of this. It wasn't even that long ago. I was dealing with, with, with some hardness in my heart and it seemed that there was no way out of what I was dealing with. Once I realized that my heart was hard, my, my heart was hard, I felt like I didn't even know what to do. I didn't even know. I was like, well, even if I do repent, even if I do these things, I don't know how to resolve some of the messes I placed myself in. Who's been there before? Lord, I want to repent, but I don't even know how to fix these problems. And I was, in, I was standing right over there in the middle of worship, and I heard the Lord say, repent, repent, repent. And he kept speaking to me the whole time of worship. And I'm literally sitting here on my face, of what? Of what? What do you want me to repent for? I've walked righteously. I'm seeking you. I'm doing all this. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gently starts to give me a list this and this and this and this. And I'll tell you these, none of the things that he listed there were, were blatant sin issues. It was all areas where I slightly turned my heart away 
or he spoke something and I didn't fully heed it. But this is the crazy thing. When I repented and I went down that list and I repented for it, not just to God, but to man too, everything was wiped away. Every piece of it. There wasn't even a remnant. There was nothing left. God did total restoration in my life because I simply repented for hardness of heart. I had no clue what was happening in my life or why it was happening, but it was because of hardness of heart. And as soon as I repented, it was done. It wasn't talked about again. It wasn't brought up again. It was finished. He took it and he separated as far as the east is from the west. And he even said to me, this is not even you anymore. This is not who you are. And Acts 3.19 says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And it goes on to say, and he will send Jesus to you. Literally says he will send Jesus to you. Psalm 51, 16, 17 says, you did not desire sacrifice or else I would have given it. You did not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite. That's the exact opposite of hard a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. And as you stand to your feet, the last place I want to read to you is Ezekiel chapter 36. Verse 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. That is literally a promise of God. Literally a promise of God that he said, I will give you a new heart. Some people in here, you're saying, my heart is hard and I I recognize it, I can see it, but I don't even know what to do with it. And God's saying, just let me give you a new one. Just repent, declare, Lord, my heart's hard. I don't know how to resolve this. And he can take it. He can remove that heart of stone and he can put right back in it a heart of flesh. He did it in me. I'm not just saying this. He literally did it in me. And he says, I can put a new spirit in with you so that you can now do my judgments. Where you found it hard to obey the word of God, to do what he said because your heart was hard. He says, when I give you this heart of flesh, when I give you this soft heart, that's what it literally means, a soft heart. I'll take the hard heart out and I'll put the soft heart in. Then now you can find a way not just to hear my word, but to fully fulfill that you heard and did it and obeyed it. So I just want everyone, if this spoke to you, just lift your hands. Lord, I just ask that tonight, you would resolve hardness of heart, Lord God. Lord, I pray that your spirit, Lord God, we actually ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to pinpoint the hard areas of our hearts, to pinpoint the areas where we have resisted you or the areas where we've turned our heart to something else or we've turned and drawn away even for but a moment, Lord God. I pray that you would forgive us for it, that you would show it, that you would shine a light on it, that you would expose it not for shame, but for freedom. Lord, that you would remove the heart of stone and that you would bring a heart of flesh, Lord God. Lord, I ask that you would show us the indicators where there's unbelief, Lord God, where there's where there is a hardness of hearing, Lord God. I pray that tonight, Lord God, through repentance, you would resolve it. I pray, Lord God, that tonight you would increase faith. Lord God, I pray that you would increase faith, that where you've spoken, you've said, I've called you to do this, son or daughter. I've called you into this. I've given you the ability to walk in it. There would be faith that would arise, Lord God, that after the hardness is broken up, Lord God, that your river of living water would begin to flow out of them, Lord. Jesus, that you would begin to change their families, their workplace. I pray that spouses tonight would say, I see a difference in you. I see a difference in you. Lord God, I ask that those who have had a hard time hearing, Lord, who have felt that they might be in that dry season, that dry place, I pray that you would break it up tonight, Lord God, that you would give them the pickaxe to break up the hard heart, Lord, to break up the fallowness, and they would seek you until you come and rain on them, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gentleness, for the mercy that you give us, that you are so merciful and gracious with us. And we just thank you for that, Lord God. 
We thank you that you don't come to expose and bring shame or to bring condemnation, but to bring freedom and restoration, Lord God. And I just ask that you would touch your people tonight, that you would fill them with your word, you would fill them with your power, and that you would free them of a hard heart, Lord God, in Jesus' name. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.